If you're looking for excellence in professional wrestling opinion and information, then look no further. You're listening to the Ring Scoops Podcast. For over 20 years, the revolutionary force in the internet wrestling community. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ring Scoops Podcast here on ringscoops.com, anchor.fm slash ringscoops, youtube.com slash ringscoops, and anywhere else you listen to all your favorite podcasts all around the world. This is the webmaster, Wade Needham, joined with McAvall. And first off, we'd like to thank everybody out there for tuning in to the Ring Scoops podcast here because I know there's a lot of choices out there for wrestling podcasts. And you guys decided to choose the Ring Scoops podcast to listen to, and that makes us very, very happy grown-ass men, doesn't it, Mac? Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Can't see the smile on my face, but it's ear to ear. It's amazing. Ear. It's also that you know that time of the year too. Tis the season to be jolly. Yes, it is. Yeah, and it, and it's right around the corner. Like, it's, geez, geez, for, Louise. For as crazy as as twenty twenty's been, um, it's gone by pretty quick. Yeah, for some people, I mean, I think it's gone by pretty quick. I, I think this summer was kind of slow. Mm-hmm. But I think once we got to August, then it kind of went fast, in my opinion. But um, oh, for sure. But you know, everyone is is hoping for a better year, me included, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, 2021. Um, just a few weeks away from it, I've got some uh, some major plans. I got stuff up my sleeve, both. Pre- personally and professionally and I think everybody out there that um, checks out ring scoops I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff that we have in store for you in 2021 uh, it's going to be our year I think Mac uh, it's going to be I, I think our our strongest year over the last 21 years that we've ever had I think I can say without hesitation the, the biggest strongest year that we had was possibly 2005 and uh, 2021 on on paper right now the forecast for it looks like it's going to break every record we ever did in 2005. I guarantee it. Like the men's warehouse. Wow. <laughs> I guarantee. <laughs> I have a question for you real quick though, Mac. Um, yes. I know we've been very vocal about WWE. Um, lately we've been really vocal about AEW, which is surprising because I, it's very well documented how we both feel about AEW. Absolutely. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you, and and I, a lot of people have been wanting us to talk about other kind of wrestling. And I know we, we vaguely talked about the Impact uh, stuff mm-hmm. last week, too. But this week, I was uh, watching NWA Shockwave, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm impressed with some of the production on it. Um with the new series Shockwave, it's two episodes in, but have you seen any of the episodes of NWA Shockwave? No, and this is uh, this is the same NWA. Well, I mean, Billy Corgan owns NWA, right? Yes. So this is the main NWA, or is this kind of like an NWA Hollywood, or like what is Shockwave exactly? Shockwave is the name of the show. The promotion okay. is NWA. Okay. Um, 
But this year, uh, Billy Corgan hooked up with Dave Marquez from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And okay. they're doing a lot of work together. Um, I guess the it's not a merger. It's like a soft merger. It's not like, you know, unofficial, like they are merged together. But they formed something called the United Wrestling Network. And in a way, it's kind of like the old school NWA where they're working with several promotions. In this uh, instance, it's NWA working with Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and any other entity that Dave Marquez has a hand in, which I believe he also has a hand in Championship Wrestling from Arizona as well and some of the other uh, brands under that umbrella. Um, NWA Shockwave is the NWA roster that is being recorded um, at Dave Marquez's uh, uh, venue, I believe. And the show looks a lot different than what NWA Power looked like. NWA Power was a huge homage to the 80s studio-style show. And while Shockwave is studio, there's no fans in there, but it's set Mm -hmm. up like it's an arena. It almost looks like the Thunderdome minus the screens. Oh, wow. The production is just off the hook. It's for for that level of of promotion, not to like take anything away from NWA or anything like that. Great promotion, mm-hmm. you know, great production, hardworking people in there. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's not at the level of a WWE or an AEW or maybe even an impact. But for what the level that they are at with independent wrestling, I think they're at the top of the game. I think they're right up there with MLW. And MLW is top notch. Wow. That's saying something. Yeah. Well, this week on NWA Shockwave, they had three matches. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, I wrote down my notes for it. I I don't know. you, you, you You haven't seen it, right? I, I have not seen it since they've had, since Cornette was there. So that should tell you how long. <laughs> <laughs> that was over it's a year been ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, real quick, I'll just run down my notes, and then, you know, if you have any thoughts on it, we, we can discuss it. But I, you know, a lot sure. of people they've been wanting to, us to cover other wrestling on the show, so I thought I would watch the show and take notes down and kind of get my thoughts on it. Uh, the opening match saw Camille take on CC Chanel. Um, some of the notes that I wrote down here was, uh, I, I love the look of Camille. She was, uh, she was the, the valet for, um, Nick Aldis. If you remember that, um, very well built bodybuilder looking woman. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love her look. I think she looks incredible. I, I just think she needs to work a little bit on her facials. There was plenty of times in there where she was either holding on to, you know, a rest hold or it was a rest hold applied to her and she had nothing going on on her face. And I know my many years of attending wrestling school out here in SoCal, that that's one of the things that's always drilled into a lot of students' heads is, you know, you you gotta, your your face has to sell. Your face is your moneymaker, especially when you're doing rest holds. And she wasn't doing anything. She had the same bland look on her face every time. Um, and yeah, and I'm, and I'm looking, and I'm actually looking up uh, photos of her. She has a really good look. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she has a really good look. It's um, what's her gimmick? Does she not really have a gimmick, or is just her name? 
if so. if she does have a gimmick, I guess I haven't watched enough to to completely get it. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, she has gladiator style gear on. Uh, she okay. kind of looks like if if China and Ronda Rousey had a love child. That's the yeah, vibe yeah. I'm kind of getting. So, uh, see, that's the thing that disappoints me about um, the smaller promotions is that when you have talent that uh, maybe comes from the indies or something like that and they make it on TV, um, you have to have an act behind it. And when I say an act, I think a lot of people don't understand what I mean when I say this. Let me be clear. You can't just be somebody that can wrestle good. You got to have a whole persona, character, uh, ability to draw the crowd in. Like You have to have something that when people see you, there's something that you do or say or act like that makes other people say, hey, have you seen this one wrestler? He does this, he does that. It's hilarious. Case in point, an act uh, is Orange Cassidy. Now, either you like it or you hate it, but you've heard of Orange Cassidy and you know his act. If I'm talking to my friend about him, I'll say, you know, Orange Cassidy, this guy, he acts like uh, he's like too cool to do anything. Like he'll He'll do like these real sloth kicks and then he'll put his hands in his pocket and and he does all like I can explain to you what his act is. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these indie style promotions, unfortunately, is that you have guys or girls who come in that are great talent, but you have to your name is Camille. First thing I ask is, what is your gimmick? If we can't, if he can't explain that to me, and he can't really explain to me, you know, what she does or doesn't do, then that means you don't have an act. You're just a wrestler. And to draw money, you need an act. To sell t-shirts, you need an act. Like, that's that's just how it works. I totally agree with you. Um, it's, you know, it, it's it's funny because it, it, it's, it's a system. Wrestling is a system. When you're doing wrestling school and you're working the indies, you know, a lot of people think that you should have the total package by the time they're called up, but in many cases, you're not. I think the biggest thing that you can get in the indies is working the schedule, learning how to do that, learning how to, you know, sell yourself to promoters and to the fans and whatnot, doing all the in-ring work as well, you're learning all that stuff. By the time you get called up to a company like an AEW or a WWE or NXT Impact, you know, it's like they are the ones that have to mold you into the character and the image that either they want you to be or if they ask you what do you want to do and you give them a an outline, a skeleton of it, and they kind of help mold you into that. Um, very rare nowadays do guys or girls get called up and they've got it already down. One example that I can give too um, of a rarity is many years ago, one day I showed up to wrestling training and there was about four or five new students in one day. One of them I knew very personally. I knew him for a few years. I'm not going to name names. 
But out of those five people, this person that I knew debuted in under a year from starting training where everyone else was a little over a year by the time they debuted and they had generic looks, generic attire. Whereas Mm -hmm. my friend that started training this dude before his debut match had custom gear made custom gear. He didn't go to high spots and just get the cheapest stuff just so he can have gear. He had a designer work on it. He came out, dude, he had music made that he gave the booker to play for him. He had music, he had a look, he had a gimmick. That's a rarity, man. That's a rarity, but that's what needs to be taught, unfortunately. Yeah. To these, to, to, to everyone that's in, the, and, and I'll let you get back to your notes because we kind of went on a tangent here, but that is what really needs to happen is and that's why the WWE Performance Center is such a big deal when they opened it up and continues to be to this day because they had guys who came in and they train when they trained them for a tryout we're going through all of these vigorous things to see how your stamina is how your strength is will you give up will you you know keep pushing we'll run some in-ring drills are you good in the ring you know can you can you take bumps can you give bumps are you a safe worker they find out all that stuff right they may have you cut a quick little promo cut a quick little promo do that once they see that you can wrestle and work and there's potential there then they put you into the system and start developing your character this is what name we're thinking this is what your storyline could be this is what and they've created this farmhouse system where you can create these super and, and and it's not just the performance center because the performance center I think has perfected this now because they have so much state of the art stuff where you know they're teaching you where the cameras are they're having you do one on one interviews backstage you know they're they're uh, telling you how to work the crowd like it's it's very light years ahead at this then you flip to back in the day they had OVW did the same thing. Yeah. Florida Championship Wrestling did the same thing. Like, you got to have these places to, you know, really shape you into, you know, being a larger than life superstar. So, Absolutely. But please continue with your notes. Please continue your notes. Um, well, as far as that match goes, the other note that I wrote down was I, I thought that both of I mean, it was, a, it was an okay match, right? I don't want to tear it apart. I don't want to trash. I've never been in the ring, but. I, like I said, I've been to enough, you know, wrestling training sessions for years to kind of pick up on what needs to be taught and what needs to be learned. Um, I think both both of the competitors, I think they need to work a little bit on their timing. I know timing is a big thing when it comes to training. Like it, it takes some people to get it right away. Other people still figure it out in the ring when they've made it to even WWE. They're still working on timing, but it's just one of those things that you know needs to be worked on a little bit um the next match was i I was very entertained by this match that was a really good one uh eli drake versus eric watts and eli drake is one of those dudes that has it for sure um i had the privilege to be able to call some of his matches early on in my commentary career out here in socal and he got picked up right away from nxt did some stuff there for a little bit and then obviously left, went over to Impact, 
really honed his craft at Impact, and now he's doing it in NWA, and he's got a gimmick. He's he's got catchphrases. He's got a look. He's he's got the package. Um, with Eric Watts, uh, lots of improvement from from Watts in the last ten years. I remember him being on that season of Tough Enough where Stone Cold was the host of it, and Eric Watts has improved like big time in the last ten years. Uh, one of the things in the match that I really enjoyed was the impressive uh, leapy clothesline from the ramp by Eli Drake. Eli Drake got thrown over the rope. There's the, the ramp, you know, that's level with the ring. Eli Drake got over there. He was up on the ramp, turned around, sprinted, and cleared the top rope for a clothesline, dude. It was crazy to see a guy that size do that move. Hmm. Um, and, of course, the finish. You know, I thought the finish was great. It was out of nowhere. Um, good story. Good pacing with those two guys. Uh, the main event was half of the show. The main event was a good, solid 20-plus minute match for the NWA Women's Championship. It was Thunder Rosa defending against Priscilla Kelly. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Priscilla Kelly. Uh, she <laughs> she was involved in that infamous um, indie spot years ago where she... Uh, she with the tampon oh okay yeah yeah yeah. but i gotta Mm -hmm. say this man solid work from both these women thunder rose i've been a fan of hers for a long time five six years ago when i first saw her i thought she was Mm -hmm. ready she is beyond ready now to be called up full time to something like an AEW or wwe i would even take her past nxt debut her immediately on the main roster in my opinion um, before the match, though, I thought it was a, there was a promo from Priscilla Kelly. In my personal opinion, I thought it was just a little bit boring and tired promo. It was the usual, everybody's overlooked me. It's my time. I'm going to show everybody what I can do kind of promo. Right. Um, you know, one of those. But uh, mm-hmm. Thunder Rose is a pro, and, and, and I mean that in all caps. All caps, man. P-R-O. She is a pro on top of her game. This match is a hard-hitting match. The timing was, was great. The pacing was great. Good storytelling. Just a solid match. It, Mac, if my recommendation for you, if if you have 20 minutes to kill and you want to check out anything on the NWA Shockwave, at least watch that match. High praise from me. And then, Very good stuff. Uh, one last thing that I have on here. Uh, in the middle of the show... There was a promo from Aaron Stevens, formerly known as Damian Sandow. Uh, mm-hmm. He cut a promo. It was very short, straight to the point, perfect. Vocal variation of it was just amazing. Good storytelling. Hype his match for next week. He's going to defend the national championship against Trevor Murdoch. That should, that should be a very, very good match. But those those are my, my thoughts on NWA Shockwave. It's just, you know, what's interesting is like a lot of these guys that would be really good players, right? Um, and you can stick them into AEW and it would be a big deal or WWE and it would really help their mid-card scene um, is if you were to get a lot of these guys in NWA, like Trevor Murdoch. And Damien Sandow, Damien Sandow, if you brought him in right now and you helped, you have him help the Miz cash in the money in the bank contract. I mean, tell me that wouldn't be 
something that now you're actually interested in. Absolutely. In terms like having him come back as his stunt double and doing exactly what he did before, but now you have Morrison in on it as well too. Like that would be tremendous if they did something. It's funny you mentioned but, that because uh, this mm-hmm. last week, DA and I have been talking a lot about Damien Sandow. And that's one of the, the, the common t- uh, talking points that DA has, has mentioned about Damien Sandow is how exceptional he did with that gimmick where he was, you know, the stunt man. He was a stunt double. He did every single thing the Miz did. Uh, he took a, a crap gimmick and he ran with it. And he made it like so over the top and so entertaining that it became more entertaining than anything else on TV at that time. And he even got more over than the Miz who was designed to be the guy to get over in that whole thing. Right. I remember, uh, that I think it was a WrestleMania where sting faced triple H, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. And I think that was, I, and again, I'm not a wrestling historian. I could be getting it mixed up, but, um, that was a moment, whatever battle royal that was, I believe, and I know it was definitely WrestleMania, I don't know if it was that one, but he really was over with the crowd. He should have won, but I think that's the year that the Big Show won. I think so. 2015? Sounds about right. Yeah, but he really, like, that should have been, you know, they, they wanted him to, the crowd wanted it. Yeah. And, you know, it it just, you know, and uh, really get over, but I wanted to uh, segue into the world famous AEW. Um, Beautiful. I got notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted I wanted to segue into it because it seems like our last show we had a lot of comments about. Um, some of our some of the things that we like and dislike about AEW. So this is the full disclaimer to anybody who's listening uh, on any platform that you're listening on in terms of AEW. Um, we're going to be very, very critical. And the reason why we're going to be critical, and it's not just with AEW, it's with any promotion, is because these two gentlemen on this show have real-life in the business experience. So we're not talking from a perspective of a fan. We're talking from perspective of being in the business. Me being in the business, taking bumps, managing multiple wrestlers, the webmaster calling, I don't know how many, maybe over a thousand matches um, for uh, one of Southern California's most tenured promotions which I will not say their name because we're not going to give them any promo. <laughs> but um, but uh, for years, and would still be there, but he decided he wanted to go in a different direction with his life and his career. So same with me. I would still be working, but I wanted to go in a different direction with my life and career. So from booking matches to being in storylines to taking bumps to cutting promos, Anything that you can possibly think of, we were able to do. And we're speaking from experience, not from being a fan. So now that we've said that, here comes the bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go ahead. 
Well, I mean, I've um, I've got I got some notes here from from AEW last night. Um, it's not from every single thing on the show. It's kind of like notes from the big five takeaways, I guess, from from the show that I thought were the most newsworthy things to talk about. Um, well, I did I did watch AEW. So I definitely want to flow off of your notes because I did not take any notes, but I definitely have some mental snapshots I took of the night that I definitely want to um, jump on. But maybe before we talk about AEW, maybe it would be more apropos to speak about impact first. Right, by all means. So... The big thing last week heading into this week was about impact and it was about being able to see Kenny Omega appear on impact. That was the big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I already was watching impact when they had the influx of, of, uh, the Good Brothers and um, I can't believe him. dude's name. The one that says I got kids. Oh, Heath. Heath. Um, I think somebody else came up. Oh, EC3. Like when they influxed those guys, Eric, Eric Young. Young, when they all came in at the same time, I said, oh, I need to see what's going on here. So that's what made me interested and that's what made me continue to watch impact now to be honest with you it's taped every single week but i don't watch every single week um i think that impact really needs to figure out how we can paint an illusion of having fans because it really just looks like an abandoned wrestling yeah everyone at the beginning of the pandemic had to figure out how to run wrestling shows and the wwe for if you look at when they started, they were in uh, the WWE uh, Performance Center, right? Yes. When they started. So they were in the Performance Center, and the lights were on on the crowd. And you saw all of the chairs there that were empty. And they lit up the house, and it was a distraction. So as time went on, they said, okay, let's cut off the lights. Okay, let's add more you know, lasers and stuff in here. Okay, well, let's maybe start bringing up the, you know, the LED screens. And, you know, they evolved to try to make the show feel as normal as it possibly could feel. That's what they did. Impact, I don't think, has ever evolved from when this pandemic started to now in terms of how they present their show with trying to make it seem like a live wrestling situation. So... When the show starts, it's very low energy. You have Josh Matthews and his wife talking about what's going to happen on the show. Now, this is supposedly going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened to Impact in a while. You're having another world champion come on your show. But what they did is they made it like AEW owned Impact. How did they do this? It's very subtle. When the show started, right, 
they showed clips from the match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega on AEW. And I said to myself, I said, well, wait a minute. Why do you have clips? And this is impact. That doesn't make any sense. To me. And then we start to show us very low energy. That doesn't make any sense. To me. And we start the mat the night off with the tag team match, which I thought it was smart. You had the North against the Motor City Machine Guns. I would have I would have had the Good Brothers against the Motor City Machine. Mm-hmm. I would have had you know something that's going to re- something that's going to keep my eyes glued to the television set because the thing is this. I may have not watched Impact. So I need to make it as cool as possible that I want to come back. And the energy was low. Josh Matthews and his wife talked, oh yeah, Kenny Omega and my, my broadcast partner, Don Callis, you know, they said they're coming to Impact and they're the, they're the AEW World Championships coming in. No, this is a big deal. You have to start to show off like, Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what's going on here. I'm here on the air. Uh, it's been total confusion backstage with full transparency. I just got my notes. Um, only thing I'm allowed to say thus far is that Don Callis and, yes, Kenny Omega from AEW, the AEW world champion, will be here. I don't know what this means. I have absolutely no. It was it wasn't anything that made you feel as if that this was a shocker to Impact, and this is going to change Impact when the show started. What did you think? I totally agree with you on that. Um, I would have, you know, I would have loved to have seen a scene of like the roster reacting to it backstage, more than just you know Josh Matthews all that kind of stuff. Um, if they would have seen, like, can you imagine, like, everybody kind of arguing backstage, talking among themselves, and, like, Tommy Dreamer comes walking in, and they're like, Tommy, what's going on? And, you know, and they, they can play the full transparency thing on that one, too, and, you know, they could, you know he'd be like, hey, look, um, I just came up with the format for this week's show, and it's out the window now because apparently Omega and Don Callis decides they want to have time on the show. And I've been told by the network that we got to have time for them. I don't know what's going on. We'll have to wait and see. It's very closed door. They're not letting me, even me, the booker know what's going on. You know, same with uh, what's um, the guy that was, um, he was the manager of team Canada. He's, he's writing it too. What's his name? Uh, Scott Demore. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Demore. Have him sit, stand in there side by side too. And ha- he's confused. You know what I mean? Um, Right. Have this be like a big, like, almost like a shoot. Like, okay, we don't know what this means for us. And, you know, Don Callis is a big executive here. Yeah. And he's bringing another guy. That's our competition. Like, we're not friends with Impact. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. We're not friends with AEW Dynamite. We're trying to be the number one wrestling promotion in the world. And right now they're number two. Yeah. So we're, we're, you know, that, that is the energy that they should have had where it immediately draws you into you don't know what's going to happen tonight. It's going to be a bunch of confusion, chaos. You know, you have like your best, strongest matches 
to keep people interested. That's what I would have done. But we started the show off flat, right? So as the night continues, then we see um, a few, and I'm just going to poke at the highlights here. We, we see uh, this RV that they have a drone shot of. <laughs> An RV. That, you know, they keep showing overhead shots and saying, okay, well, this is Kenny Omega and Don Callis is in there, and I'm going to be doing an interview with him. Why? Why, why? why did Kenny Omega not come to the ring? The whole visual was to see the AEW champion inside of an impact ring. That's the visual that you want, right? Yeah. But no, we're going to do it in a bus. So the only time that they really alluded to it being a problem is Scott DeMore saying, oh, this is great for us, talking to Tommy Dreamer. Oh, this is going to be great for us. This is going to be great for ratings. This is this is Kenny Omega. This is, you know. And then Tommy Dreamer, I don't know if the boys are going to like this, and I don't know if it didn't work. There's no urgency. There's no nothing. And then we had a, another backstage before we got to the, you know, the big interview. I'd like to get your your take on that before, you know, um, I give my take on it. But then we had uh, Rich Swan, who on the last show I said, are they going to have a few with Rich Swan <laughs> and Kenny Omega, right? Yeah. So he comes up. First of all, that's my first time really good at getting a good up-close look at that Impact Championship. That is a beautiful title. Oh, yeah. That is a beautiful. Whoever designed it, they did a very, very good job. That is a beautiful title. All, all of um, the Impact Championships look damn good, in my opinion. That was a very beautiful, very beautiful title. Um, so he goes up and there's just this one guy that's a comedy act, not even a big serious security guard or a group of security guards. Just one guy with a black shirt on. Uh, is your name on the list? <laughs> the world champs out here. Oh, here we go with Moose. And no, we, it's the end of the show. So we know who you're referring to is Kenny Omega. We've already seen Moose earlier in the night. We've already seen him at this point. We already had a backstage segment with him at this point. So it's not Moose. So then uh, Josh Matthews comes and is like, oh, Josh Matthews? Oh, yeah, you're on the list. Come on in. And then Rich Swans just looks and just gets mad and just kicks a trash can <laughs> if i'm gonna believe this i need to believe that wait, wait a minute you're the world you're not going to come on my show this is my house you're not gonna come in my house and put your feet up on my furniture yeah what should have happened is you should have had the tag team champions the good brothers rich swan um, the women's champion, and I don't know if they have any other belts there, do they? Do they have like the a, X division championship? The X division champion, 
Um, you should have had all these guys for one night put their differences aside and go up to the security and say, hey, listen, we're the champions here. We represent Impact. What is this guy doing here? He's not one of us. Oh, well, he, you know, you're not allowed. And just have a big brawl happen with security and these champions. We have to make it like we're being invaded almost. So then we cut to the outdoor RV. Josh Matthews comes in calling for these guys as if they didn't know they had an interview schedule, right? Hey, are you here? Oh, hello. <laughs> like we're in a 15,000 square foot house or something, right? Yeah. And now I give the floor to you and I want to see what you say about the interview. Yeah, I first off be, before the interview, just real quick about the whole Ritz Swan thing. I thought that was um, I get what they were trying to accomplish with it, but it just made their own champion look like garbage. Uh, I, I agree. It made the outside world title look bigger than your own world title. Um, it would have been more impactful, no pun intended for Rich Swan to have laid out the security guy, go into the RV and look for Kenny Omega, have a confrontation between the two because him doing that would screw up their plans for what they had in store, which would create an element of surprise and chaos. You run out of TV time. Kenny Omega has now an excuse of why he didn't get to say what he had to say because he was interrupted. So now you're wondering, is Rich Swan going to show up on AEW? So well, now you have a hook to watch the next night. That's absolutely my thoughts on that one. They screwed the pooch on that, in my opinion. There were so many ways they could have went. But no, they decided to trash their own world championship in favor of another person's. And going back a little bit too about how the way you said that they they made it look like AEW owns Impact, mm-hmm. even more so when they did the promo with Tony Khan and Tony yes, Khan that's... talking about, oh, everybody mm-hmm. thought we were doing this, everybody thought we we're doing that, but you know, hey, you know, if I wanted to buy Impact, I can. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me, and you and I talked about this recently, it reminded me of when somebody asked Dixie Carter, how much would you sell TNA to Vince for? And she goes, hey, well, how much would he sell WWE to me for? That's such a stupid thing to say, man. The same thing happened with Tony Khan on Impact, in my opinion. That's the same vibe I got. Yeah, and I I jumped over that, and I shouldn't have, but um, the reality is this. We had the, they bought quote unquote airtime and Tony Khan cut a promo. I don't know if this is his first promo, but it's the first one I've seen. And Tony Khan said when this company started that he was not going to be an on air character. That's what he said. He also said, that they weren't going to do backstage segments, that everything was going to be in the middle of the ring. He also said 
that this will be presented in more of a sports style presentation. I don't think a uh, mimosa match <laughs> is a sports style presentation. I, I just don't. Um, I don't think a character by the name of Orange Cassidy or Jungle Boy or Luchasaurus or the Dark, Dark Order or Cope Cabana or the two black guys that they say reminds people of the Street Profits, which I don't see it, are sports figures. But we have Tony Khan cut this promo, cuts this promo, and it sucks. How much is their company? Okay, listen. If you're going to be the billionaire character, which you're not, because your dad is the billionaire, not you. But if you want to portray that character, right? Dress the part. That's all. Yeah. Why was Tony Schiavone? Why was Tony Schiavone there? Tony Schiavone's not management. Why is he there? Why not have an old school wrestler? That can cut a good promo, help you cut a promo. Like everybody talks about Cody, and he cut a good promo, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't you have Cody say, you know, we started this thing together. I don't know why you're here, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you face to face tomorrow night to ask you myself what this is all about. They do something like that, but no, we had a very bad, long uh, promo that didn't make any sense. But back to the interview. I was just confused overall with the actual interview. Um, I honestly don't know what it delivered. I don't know what the target was supposed to be for it. Um, the only thing that I learned from this promo was that Don Callis is the the creepy uncle that has been watching his uh you know his uh like a nephew uh Kenny Omega all these years like a cuck and um <laughs> it's just and then they promised uh, oh well we got an announcement tomorrow on AEW. Like I get like, you want to have a hook to get people to watch. I think I, I, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I think the idea that I had a little while ago, I think would have been a, a better Avenue to get a hook, to get people to watch the next night, uh, way better than what they did. Um, because there was no substance to the promo. Um, it wasn't even really a promo. It was, what, like, what, was what, what was your idea? To, get, to bring people in, to uh, you know, Rich Swan uh, taking out security, going in the RV, and because uh, Kenny Omega was side sidestepped by uh, the actions of Rich Swan, they wouldn't have had TV time because Rich Swan took the TV time from them because the cameras were following him, as opposed to giving that TV time to them cut their promo. So they ran out of they would run out of TV time by the time they came face okay. to face. So that way you Okay, I got you. Yeah. So yeah, so when you explained it earlier, so this is so okay, so I'm clear. So this 
wouldn't be a quick one-off. This would be like a a good five minutes almost oh, of yeah. him fighting through security, maybe going up to the RV, knocking on the door, trying to open it. Like I, I get it now. I see it. Yeah, yeah. He breaks in, you know, Kenny Omega, you know, come or Don Callis comes rushing up, says, What are you doing in here? They start arguing. Kenny Omega come, maybe comes running out from the from the back with a belt and clocks him right in the head. And then Yeah, maybe clocks him in the head and then grabs the impact title, steals it, yeah, and then next night appears on, on AEW holding both championships. Yeah. Yeah, because that would you, make, you got yeah. because you're gonna be like, well, Rich Swan's gonna get a belt back, so he's gonna chase Omega over to TNT. Right, exactly. Is he gonna show up? Is anybody else from Impact going to show up? Like, yeah, I agree with that. That would be, but yeah, I, I agree with the interview. The interview was, first of all, if you're gonna do something, it has to make sense. Um, like I said, it's about uh, improvement and refinement with AEW, and. It didn't make any sense that Don Callis, like I said, you just happened to have him on commentary. That made absolutely no sense. The way that I explained it last week, and you can listen to last week's episode and go into great detail of how I would have did it, but basically it would be a surprise to the crowd. Don Callis would not be shown uh, until, you know, the great escape happened. So... It was a, a lesson in why WWE does scripted promos on some guys. Because you keep rambling and rambling and rambling and rambling and rambling and not getting to a point. And less is more. The promo was like 15 minutes, right? Yeah, it was pretty long. It was very long and it, we learned absolutely nothing. For what they gave you us, talk- it was pretty long. Yeah, we, we learned, and, you know, whoever edited it, they could have done a better job of, maybe they did edit it as much as they could, <laughs> but it just, it just wasn't a good, if I'm somebody that has been waiting all night, and the, the rumor, what, well, not the rumor, but from the reports, they were saying that um, they were on Twitch, and the Twitch numbers, like, improved by, like, 40,000. Oh yeah, they were. I, at one point, I could have sworn I, I think it was at fifty six thousand. And a lot of people were AEW were like, "Yeah, this sucks." Where's Kenny? Where's Kenny? Where's Kenny? That was what they were saying. When you had the opportunity to really put on a good show, to have people like, "Oh man, that was a good match." Who's that guy? Yeah, you know. But that that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So, um. So then we cut from Impact, and then we go to AEW. Uh, so your notes now, Nate. Uh, well, I mean, let's branch off. The first thing I have on my notes is the whole Kenny Omega thing. Uh, that was one of the first things that I, I, I wrote my notes on. Um, okay. So Omega and Callus arrive in a helicopter, and I felt like they delivered the same exact promo on Dynamite that they did on Impact. Almost word for word, yes. Yeah, and then Omega doing, you know, the whole good night. You know, I don't even know what, the, what, what. It's like the Truman Show, right? I don't see it tomorrow. <laughs> good night or good day or something like that. And then he points his finger and goes bang like DDP or something. I don't get it. 
And I know like last week you were talking about, you know, the gimmicks and the catchphrases and all that stuff. We've had some people comment on that whole, the whole catchphrase thing. And Omega right. now has a catchphrase, but it, I just don't, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a catchphrase that got over in Japan, right? Yeah. Unless I was watching him in Japan, which I've seen some matches of him in Japan. But unless I'm one of those people, I don't know what he's talking about. So we would have to, like, you can't assume that people know you. You can't assume that. So you can't come into a national television audience and assume that everybody knows who Kenny Omega is. You got to reintroduce these gimmicks or start new ones because there's things that worked overseas that don't necessarily work over here. Look at how big the Good Brothers were in Japan mm-hmm. to the point that the WWE signed them. So when they signed them, the act never really translated to the WWE. Now, when they got with AJ and they started uh, doing, uh, what was the name of their uh, group? The OC or something? Or... Um, yeah. Or the, or the club. The club, yeah, yeah, yeah. the club. Or they something started like, doing yeah. the whole beat up John Cena gimmick thing too. Remember, right, right. The one, the only, the original, the only club that matters. Yeah, right. And then he started wearing his face paint. Um, Luke Gallo started wearing his face paint like he used to in uh, Japan, but it never really fully translated over because it's just not something that works for the audience and states because I don't know who you guys are if I'm watching you for the first time. So Kenny Omega comes out and he has the whole brooms, which I still don't know. The cleaner. I don't, I, you got, you guys can comment all you want. I don't get it. And I'm not going to research it to get it either because you have to think if you're trying to expand your audience, if I'm watching this for the first time and I see a bunch of Nitro Girl rejects dancing with Broom and Kenny Omega comes out and they say, oh, it's the cleaner. I have absolutely no idea who the cleaner is. That is a very unique uh, name to give yourself and it's not self-explanatory. Brett the Hitman Hart is uh the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, is is self-explanatory. Hell, the icon Sting is self-explanatory. I don't, I don't, the, you I know, don't know. I don't know. Sorry to cut you off, but the thing that kind yeah. of irritated me just a little bit about some of the comments that we got last week on the show, like I'm open hmm. to critique. I'm open if somebody has something about the show they didn't like. I mean, by all means, tell us. You know, I don't. You know, we'll improve on it. We'll we'll talk about it. You know, we're not going to dismiss it. Like My biggest thing mm-hmm. about it was, is like, so we don't, neither of us, we, we don't get the cleaner thing. So insta- no. instead of being like, yo, if you don't get it, I'll explain it to you. Some, you will get it. No, they don't do that. There's all, oh, well, you, you guys are fucking idiots because you guys don't research it. You never heard of the internet. You can't look it up. One what if we don't even have the time to have to look back on stuff? We we can only go forward. We can't we don't have the time to like look back at old stuff. Where would we right. even start? 
You can't just say you got to look it up. Give us give us a starting point if we are going to go look it up. Give us a starting point. When right, did he start using that? Let us give us some kind of input. Don't just say we suck because we don't get it. Help us out. Be constructive right. about it. Right. Let us know where we can find out. Because, for example, I don't know anything about the Golden Lovers, right? Yeah. I literally saw a documentary online that somebody put together about the Golden Lovers. And now I understand why they're called the Golden Lovers. I get it. I get the whole thing because it was explained to me. Mm-hmm. Now, something like that will never work out here in the U.S. It just won't. Well, what do you mean it won't work? It won't work because you're bringing something that was established overseas and you're hoping that when you bring it over here, it's going to have the same impact. It's not. If I'm watching this for the first time and I see two guys that, hey, they may be lovers and their name are golden lovers because they like gold and they love each other. It's not going to make me buy a t-shirt. It's not want to make me buy an action figure. It's not going to make my kids want, you know, to, to watch or play with them on the AEW video game. Who are they? What do they do? So Kenny Omega comes out, they cut the same promo, and then they mention surprises again. And it's like, how many, how many surprises are we going to actually have? Because you were supposed to have one on Wednesday, and you didn't. So that's the part that really confused me. But I thought that it was a really overproduced, underperforming, pathetic uh, presentation of this new persona of Kenny Omega. Now, Kenny Omega, like he's used to wearing these gaudy big jackets and big thick glasses and Looking like, you know, he's Prince or something. Why don't you have him do that? That's what he's known for, right? Why don't you have him dressed like that now? Not a blazer and some, you know, shoes and pants. Like, and he just looks like a guy. Make him look like he's larger than life. Don Callis shouldn't have better mic skills than the world champion. Yeah. But he does. Don Callis shouldn't look like he can beat up the world champion, but he does. What can we do to make Kenny Omega pop off the screen? There's very simple things that we can do here. Mm-hmm. Improvement, refinement. But that, you know, uh, this thing has already lost the steam to me that fast. And what was John Moxley? John Moxley, don't you think he would be pissed off? What was he? He's at home planning a baby shower. Well, (laughs) the John Moxley that they book on TV on the very first night of AEW for no reason at all put Kenny Omega through a glass table. But Kenny Omega defeats him ends his 277-day reign as world champion, and John Moxley's nowhere to be found to confront him. Guess we'll have to tune in next week. <laughs> That's their hook. Yeah, well, next week you'll see, right? Yeah. Going back just real quick about the whole cleaner thing, I just looked it up. Um, I found on Wikipedia a, a brief 
background behind the, the cleaner thing. So maybe this will clear it up for both of us. Okay. Um, apparently, they when he was part of the Bullet Club, I guess he was told his gimmick was too bubbly for the Bullet Club, it says here, which led to him adopting the cleaner nickname, which was intended to be a reference to people who clean up crime scenes. As far as his look for the cleaner, it was inspired by Albert Wesker from the Resident Evil game series combined with Sylvester Stallone's character from the movie Cobra. And it says, although he originally intended to embody the gimmick straightforwardly, he later integrated comedy into the persona as a response to people who thought he was portraying a janitor, doing so by coming out for his matches holding a mop and a broom. So, his original adaptation I, I of what he wanted that. the cleaner to be, nobody got it. I Just like you and I right now don't get it. So his response, instead of crafting it even more to get people to do it, he tried to make fun of everybody just by coming out with a broom, kind of mocking the people that didn't get it. So in a so way, he, was a- he did what the fans did to us last week. So he was supposed to be a cleaner of, like, it would make sense to me, like, if he would help, because, like, I love the Godfather movies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mac, you there? We have we have lost Macable. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on there. Um, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're recording this on, on Discord. We got uh, some technical difficulties here. McAvall has, hopefully, he'll rejoin us uh, very shortly. I just, I don't get the cleaner thing, even with that. I mean, I get it now a little bit, what he was trying to get done. I, I, I would have liked to have seen Kenny Omega kind of expand on what his original idea was. I think it would be very interesting to see a character like that um you know the guy who cleans up the crime scenes uh i'm not familiar with i never really played i mean played a little bit of resident evil but i was wouldn't consider myself a fan of the series i didn't play it enough to know who the characters are so i don't i don't get that one but i do know the character the sylvester stallone did in the movie cobra and i get it i get that now especially with those glasses uh so that would have been, I would have been down with that. But I guess because other people were just like McAvall and I, where we didn't get the gimmick. Uh, so instead of Kenny expanding on it, making it a little easier for us to digest, he just decided to make fun of the whole thing and mock it and introduce the comedy aspect to it with the mop and a broom and all that stuff. Uh, he went from being... Uh, a serious act to becoming an, an SNL skit about himself in a way. Mac, are you back with right. us? Mac. Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay. Here. Sorry about that. I was explaining to everybody that we kind of lost you there on discord for a little bit. So I kind of jumped in to give an explanation of why, you know, my, my thoughts on the whole thing. I kind of get it a little bit now. It's it. I mean, I just wish he would have expanded on the character instead of just giving up on it and became a mockery of its own thing. Yeah, I, I get it, but I don't like it. And I don't think it's going to get over to somebody that doesn't 
know what this is already. Yeah. That, I totally and agree. Just, and there's no, there's no, you know, disrespect to him trying to make it whatever, but I just, you know, sometimes I, it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think we have to reiterate something here too, because there's, there's going to be, be people like to just take the negatives. They don't like to. We could be talking until we're blue in the face, giving the guy props about something, but they're only going to want to react and talk about the negative stuff. I don't think we're, we're not even bashing the guy. We're, we're given a very constructive, logical critique about his character and whatnot. But last week, one thing that we talked about, and I think it should be reiterated, is that from an in-ring standpoint, we have respect for this guy. He can go. We're not downplaying right. his ability in the ring as a performer or any of that stuff. We're just not, we just don't get the persona. But as far if as you, what if, he can do in the ring, he is a phenomenal talent. If you listen to a few shows back, I had mentioned that I don't know why he was in a tag team program with Hangman Page. Um, I didn't get that. So, and I said that he needs to be in a singles run um, around the world title picture. That was before uh, he won the match against Hangman Page to become the number one contender. So I was pushing for that. So I really pushed for it, and here we are. But again, it's about refinement and improvement, and they just didn't really refine the way that this is going to work. I think they were like, cool, everybody's talking about us. Let's keep them talking by just kind of pushing this along. They didn't really think about, okay, what's the next step? I don't think they know the next step, logically. Because if they did, I think we would have had more of a focused promo on Wednesday. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, some of the other things here from, from AEW Dynamite that I just kind of wanted to t- touch up on. Two two things um, that I don't... I mean, I could be wrong. You, you may have a, a ton of thoughts on this. For me, I just have a couple bullet points on these two different topics. The first one, uh, with the way the women's division was portrayed on Dynamite this week, with the huge brawl in the back and then this character called Abaddon Um, you and I have talked about this until we were blue in the face way 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 often in the past Uh, is why is every promotion have to have these horror goth gimmicks it's overdone Um, certain ones have gotten over Sue Young is a great example of doing that character and getting it over and it's well done yeah um Abaddon, she has an interesting look. I was a little intrigued with some of the facials that she had last night. Um, right. I'm not going to dismiss it right away. I, I want to see what they can do with this, how it's going to evolve. But just on the surface, it's, you know, it's not my cup of tea yet. And the other one was the Orange Cassidy MJF match. Um, I guess my only critique about that was I just think there was just way too many people involved in it from, you know, for I I I have thousand percent agree, but I'm gonna get back. Let me talk about Abaddon first. Yeah, I I think there's a there's there's a fine line between creepy and gruesome, right? Yeah, and I think that she looks too gruesome. Now you may be saying, oh, "What are you talking about, Mac? That's her character. She's supposed to be scary looking." You have to understand that. We're trying, we're in a business to sell things. 
And you got to think to yourself, how many people would walk around now? I'm sure people say, I would, right? But you got to think about more than just people that are around your clique that you're friends with or you personally, right? When the Attitude Era was at its peak, people all over the world had Austin 316 t-shirts. It was simple. It was poignant. And it wasn't offensive. Abaddon. Abaddon. Let me, let me tell you the story before we get to Abaddon. When I was younger, right, uh, my family was really into church a lot. Um, my mom was a pastor's secretary. And she grew up in the church. And she was a part of this uh, church called the Church of God in Christ. She was in that church since she was a, a little kid. She was in a choir, all of that, right? So my family was very, very religious, right? So I love Stone Cold Steve Austin, but my mom would not let me buy a Stone Cold Steve, or she would buy, I should say, because I had my I was a kid and had money. Uh, she wouldn't buy a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt with the skull on it. Why? Because it's demonic looking. Now somebody may say, what are you talking about? Demonic looking? But that's how my childhood was. I wasn't allowed to wear that. So I don't see how Abaddon connects with somebody that's young or even somebody that's in our age bracket because it's a fine line between creepy and gruesome. And her coming out with her eyes, two different colors, blood spinning out at the top of the ramp, crawling, overweight. And again, if you're in pro wrestling and you're in the ring, you have to be. In, I've always stressed that. You have to be in shape. Any sport. If you're an athlete, if I'm a basketball player, I play for the Los Angeles Lakers, there's not a fat person in sight on that team. I have to be in shape. There's nothing about her character or gimmick that makes me feel as if I want to learn more. She is gruesome looking. And because she's gruesome looking, I can't get over the fact of how you look. What is your character? You just look ugly. <laughs> like a gothic cabbage patch kid. Right. You just look. So what are, are you going to talk? And when you talk, like you have to match how you look. So you can't talk normal. You got to talk like Luna Vachon or something. You know, like you can't. You look like. You died multiple times. And then you compare it to The Undertaker, who was creepy. To The Fiend, who's creepy. To The Demon, who's creepy. The difference. So, that's, that's just my opinion on that. Now, as far as the uh, match with MJF 
and Orange Cassidy. First of all, MJF, if he he, he can go in the ring. Yeah. He can talk and he can work. MJF, in my opinion, should have been the first world champion of AEW. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, too. He's one of those guys that he just had it. In ring, on the mic, a package deal, a gimmick. He knew how to work the gimmick. He had it. And this is a prime example of me not knowing who he is until I saw him in AEW. Yeah. So me being someone who doesn't know this guy, saw him and immediately was like, I want to know more about him. Actually, I showed you a clip of him in MLW before AEW. Right. And the, and the clip had... was him and, and mm-hmm. Holiday. They were talking about how they were going to get at the tag champs. And remember, he said, I'm going to call my dad the lawyer. And that was the one nine right there that did it for you. Remember? Yes. And then you told me as well, too, that his act is so much better over there because he has other people a part of it. Yeah. So when they brought in Wardlow, which is still a horrible name, <laughs> um, then that act improved. So he did a fantastic job of working Orange Cassidy. It almost goes back to me, an old school shot back to when I used to watch Eddie Guerrero match. Eddie Guerrero as a heel would if, if he's wrestling like a Benoit or somebody or Malenko, it just depends, Rey Mysterio, he would pick on a body part and just dissect it the whole match, just like Bret Hart used to do, to yeah. the point where you're like, okay, Jesus, his arm has to be just getting ready to fall off. He did some spots that I've never seen before in terms of selling the hand and getting the hand over his injured. I've never seen that before, a lot of the stuff he did. But you had, like, it was almost as if they just said, we'll go out there and we'll wing it. This was an indie match, through and through. The two guys were good enough to work on their own. So why did you have so much interference from everybody? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Everybody, I mean, he had the best friends out there, then they in a circle, then they brought in some more guys. Then you had Miro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that in my notes too about Miro. Um, I'll say this, about Miro himself and the way that he was portrayed, that's the way he should have been portrayed since night one, especially even the way he was dressed too totally matched with uh, guys from his part of the world with how they act a lot. You know, the fashion that was Mm -hmm. the perfect look, the the way I I have no problem with that mirror. The problem that I had was that they sacrificed MJF's moment and the finish for Miro where they could have done the Miro thing on a whole nother segment and still been effective. And you would have built up both guys instead of ignoring and neglecting one dude's big win just to get another guy over. 
Yeah, because it seems like what they're doing is they're doing the approach of um, having one person in multiple storylines. Cody is in like three storylines right now. Yeah. He's in a storyline with Sting. He's in a storyline with Team Taz, which again, if I'm the manager and me being a manager when I was working, I'm not going to get myself over. My team, my, it's, it's not going to be called Team Taz because I don't work in the ring. I'm not going to be throwing out Haja Kajame choke maneuvers because I don't work in the ring. This should be called something different and I should just be a mouthpiece to talk sometime. Not all the time. All these guys can't talk. None of them can talk. But he has a few with Taz, and I'm saying Taz on purpose. The Darby Allen thing, and then Shaq. This is just one guy. So it's like every week he shows up on TV, you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know what feud he's in. So that's the same thing that they did with... um, with Orange Cassidy, because Orange Cassidy has a program, supposedly, with Miro, right? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they have some type of problem, right? So Was he the uh, one that unplugged the game cabinet? I have no idea. I just think that it's too late. You only get one time to make a first impression. Oh, yeah. The fans started crying and moaning and saying, you're making Miro look bad, and that that same week you had him just be this dominant figure when he's called the best man. I don't, I don't get it. The accolade before he does it, he screams out, "Game over!" But I'm supposed to take you serious now. I got you. <laughs> I got you. But, um, yeah, it was too many interferences in that match. Um, you can tell that they just said, we'll wing it. It just came across as just a bunch of guys. And MJF and Orange Cassidy, they were telling a good enough story in the ring where they didn't really need all of that. Less is more. They didn't need all of that. Um, and then finally, the Shaq segment. Did you see the Shaq segment? Yes, I have two two very simple, straightforward bullet points that I wrote down about this. Okay. One, and I I, I got a feeling that we're going to be at odds in this one. Mm-hmm. But that's fine, because that's the beauty of the show. Um. I thought overall it was a good segment. That was well done. And my second bullet point is a minor complaint. Uh, I think it would have been a little bit more effective if Brandy hadn't, you know, just didn't have to use profanity. Use it sparingly. Use it when it's needed. I didn't yeah, think it that's was needed. A, that's, a good, that's a good point because all night long, everybody was dropping the S-bomb all night long because we can say it. Yeah. 
and you know it should be used like when the WWE when someone calls somebody a bitch it's a big deal because it never happens a lot yeah it's like um that time when uh Shawn Michaels was supposed to have the tag team partner god right Mm-hmm. Remember, they typed it up. It's going to be a mystery tag partner. Shawn Michaels taking on Spirit Squad. And they revealed that it was God. And JR, JR goes, that's that that's bullshit. Now, how yep. many times have you heard JR say the word bullshit on commentary in his whole career? Right. Up to that point. Yep. Probably never. Yep. But it yep. worked because it was one guy supposed to have a tag partner going up against five guys. Technically yep. seven if you want to include Vince and Shane. And they say yep. his partner is God. <laughs> yep. That's how you use that kind of stuff effectively. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that was a very, very easygoing segment, though, between Shaq and Ray. I thought they had chemistry. I really did. I thought the whole thing, like the setup, the visual, the tone of it, it was it was really good. Throwing drink in his face, Shaq just kind of chuckling, laughing it off, because he knows. I mean, you can't do nothing after. What are you going to get up and beat the shit out of a woman? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I think Shaq was the superstar during yeah. that segment. Brandy was not, and because she was in the segment, I didn't like it. Um, I think Shaq did an incredible job. Because, you know, he's acted in Hollywood movies, you know, starred in them. So he knew what his role was and what he was supposed to do. So him saying, oh, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to say some things to, to Cody. You know, it wasn't a big, big of a deal when I said these things to Cody. You know, just, uh, just playing, just doing a couple of shots to Cody and stuff like that. But uh, I respect all the AEW locker room and what you guys do. And I wish you guys success. You know, Jade is somebody I know and I care about. So, oh, I, I said, okay, this is good. We're making this seem real. Yeah. Where it gets out of hand is like Brandy doesn't know how to not be in the wrestling business. Like, she always has to be on 100. I thought that her getting her arm broken by Jade, I thought that I was just like, oh, we got to hurry up and do something because Shaq is coming next week. Like, it didn't make any sense. Storyline was very quick, right? So you could have just had Shaq show up and then Brandy talk and then Jade come and break her arm as Shaq is telling her not to do it. Jade, not to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then she does it anyway. And make Shaq kind of look like the guy that's the apologist. Like, listen, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't know why she did that. I'm sorry. I love, like he said, I love your brother. I love his brother. I love him and I love his father. Like, make it seem like he's the apologist. Have Jade then break her arm or something. Like, do something that wasn't like, oh, we got to hurry up and do something because he's coming on next week. And that's what it kind of appeared as. So Brandy starts, oh, well, you didn't, you really buttered his bread. When you introduced him, this is Shaquille O'Neal, right? <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get out of the wrestling world and the real world. This is a four-time NBA champion, finals and league MVP, multiple-time all-star, 
Hall of Famer statue in front of the Staples Center. Give this man his respect. Don't talk to him like he's a wrestler. The Mike Tyson thing works so good with Vince because they treated Mike Tyson like Mike Tyson. When Austin came out there and said what he said, Mike Tyson responded the way that Mike Tyson should and would respond. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's what made it so good is because they treated him with, ooh, it's Mike Tyson, right? Her turn, oh, you buttered his bread. Of course. <laughs> no one knows who you are. No one knows who you are. No disrespect. But no one knows who you are compared to Shaquille O'Neal. If you came on inside the NBA, they would think that you may be working the studio as a producer. Unless you're a wrestling fan. Or better get a fan of AEW. Because a lot of guys famously, Kurt Angle famously said, and I quote, and when I was in TNA, people came up to me for years and said, man, I used to love when you wrestled for the WWE. When are you coming back? And he had to explain to him that, hey, I'm on a totally different channel and a totally different network, still wrestling for years. That's the same thing with Brandy Rose. Nobody, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody knows her outside of AEW or if you remember her brief and uneventful run in the WWE. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's it. That's, that's basically it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, the butter, the bread thing, I got kind of turned off on that. And I really got turned off when she stood up, grabbed the water and threw it on him. Cursed at him. You're a big asshole. Tired of this shit. And threw the water at him. It didn't, it didn't, it looked fake. It looked fake. It looked fake. Yeah. Looked staged. So, that's why I didn't like it. And then why are you again the focus point of this feud? That's what I'm saying. Cody's in too much stuff. That's something where Shaq should have came up to, it, it shouldn't have even been advertised. It should have just been, you know, Cody's backstage or something and Shaq comes Hey, hey, Cody, I want to talk to you real quick. Well, Shaq, what are you doing here? I just want to come and personally apologize. You know, I, I appreciate you. I love your brother. I love this. But, you know, and that would have came across like, oh, number one, Shaq is here. And, oh, okay, this looks real. I don't want to jump the shark here, but hmm. I don't want to lose this point that I have in my head that just popped in. Sure. And this is going to kind of dip into like the next thing that we'll talk about in AEW because it's like the, really the last big thing to talk about AEW. But it, when they did the segment with Cody and Sting and Sting had mentioned, I'm not here for you. That would have been perfect time for when Sting walks to the back. If all of us, like, you know, they show Cody's reaction to it. Cody's a little disappointed. He's, you know what I mean? Like how they did. Mm-hmm. If Shaq would have came out with a mic and said, he ain't here for you, but I am. That would have been a hell of a moment. Right. That would have been, and we didn't really even get this thing. Cause I mean, we we're you know, these shows are long, but um, 
it would have been a good moment. A quick thing I'm going to say about Sting. Um, I did not like the Sting segment <laughs> because Sting is supposed to be mysterious, right? Yes. He's supposed to be an enigma, right? Yeah. I, I, from I didn't what we like know the whole WCW days. Yes. Right. When they introduced him in the WWE, um, as a vigilante, which I never heard him refer to as that, <laughs> but again, they called him the vigilante, which I thought was a pretty dope name, right? He was he was mysterious for a while. He comes out like he's Surfer Sting. Hey Shivani, before you leave, give me a hug. And it's like Tony like looked like he didn't really want to hug him, <laughs> but he asked for a hug like two times. And please say Sting. And as I, I didn't get it. I don't, you know. I wonder what Kat thought of that. Because we all remember last week how she was very vocal and not liking Tony Giovanni saying it's Sting. And a week she later, Sting like, asks for Tony Giovanni specifically to say it. Yeah, she probably absolutely cringed and loved it. And probably cursed out her television set. It probably kicked it in. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't. I, I didn't get to, you know, it was, and then it, it, let me be clear. Yeah. It was a good segment once I realized, okay, this is not going to be the sting that is the mysterious sting. This is going to be almost like the Joker sting, kind of, from TNA. Got it. Once I got it, Sting cut a hell of a promo. Yes, he did. Hell of a promo. Hell of a promo. But I did not like it originally just based off of the fact that I thought he was going to be mysterious and we don't need to turn on the snow when he leaves as well too you can just turn it on one time and give that visual we don't need it coming up the ramp are they going to have so, that year round for him like and this is going to be like blazing hot summertime and that's going to be his thing that's going to be his thing they're going to do an outdoor thing in July at Daly's Place and there's going to be snow and, I, and then I don't know why they would have him talk so soon Build it up a little bit, you know. Darby Allen up there. That was the one thing that it does make sense, and I do give them props for doing it. But for a while, they had Darby Allen up in the in the rafters. Yeah. In preparation, the Sting was coming, so I thought that was pretty good. I did not wasn't a full fan of that. Did you see that segment they had with him, the psychiatrist? No, I didn't. Okay, so what happened is this kind of towards the beginning of the show that Darby Allen sent down. And there was the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist would give him pictures. And it will ask him. And they were all members of Team Taz. And they would ask him, well, what do you think of this person? Oh, he's just a puppet. Like, they were ink blots. But they were, like, in the shape of, you know, guys posing. So then he said, what do you think of this one? And it was a picture of Sting, like his face. And then he just laughed and smirked. And then the segment went off. I'm like, okay. Um, we don't... We, 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 we maybe need to tease this more. Because he just got here. So, like, let's kind of chill out and make it a mystery as to what he's doing. Yeah. You know? Just relax. See what happens. But... Overall, if you're going to give a grade to AEW, the show, what would you give? 
Um, well, before that, I mean, there's like two things real quick I want to jump on about the Sting segment. Sure. I did per I didn't like the whole Tony give me a hug thing. But 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 I did like him asking him to say it's Sting. I thought that was cool. Um, enjoyed the Darby Allen and the nosebleeds thing. Um, going to the very beginning of the whole segment, I just do not care for Cody Rhodes' entrance. To me, it's just too long. It's too epic for a weekly television show. If that was going to be an entrance just for pay-per-views, I'd have a whole different take on it. But for a, for the weekly show, I think it's just too over the top. Yeah, it should be an entrance for a champion. Yeah, that should be like the all out or all in, you know, entrance. Like that's, you know, that's the thing right there. Um, I popped big when Sting said his famous quote. The only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. Beautiful. Great interaction between him and Cody as well. Uh, that was a good promo, a good segment. It was my favorite thing on the entire show. It really was. Sting has brought me into watching AEW again. Kenny, what yeah, happened yeah. last week with Kenny Omega brought me over a little bit. The Sting one is what what captured me. The whole thing with Kenny absolutely is absolutely. keeping me around a little bit. What I saw from last night with Shaq and Brandy is going to keep me around a little bit. I think. And, and that's what I've been asking for the last several months. I've been very vocal here on the show. I don't want to hate AEW. I don't wish it bad things. There are things I dislike about it. Yes, there's things I dislike about every promotion out there. Nothing is 100% perfect. Nothing is 100% great. There's things, there's a lot more negatives, in my opinion, about AEW than there are positives, but... From compared to a year ago to now, there are more things I'm interested in watching from their product than a year ago when I decided to stop watching it because I gave them two full months. You know, their first two months I watched religiously every week. Even if I didn't like it, I still watched it. But I said two months is enough time to make my opinion about it and not watch it. Sting brought me back in. And Sting is continuously keeping me into this thing. I'm going to watch again next week. So, to answer your question about an overall grade for the show, there was, I mean, I can't even count how many total segments or matches or anything like there was, but there was five big things that I took notes on. The Kenny Omega thing, the Shaq and Brandy thing, Orange Cassidy, MJF, the thing with Abaddon and the... the apparent expansion of the women's division there. I mean, they're, 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 they're trying. They're trying. Yeah. They're trying. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the sting thing. Um, if I would give the show a borderline C plus B minus very, very much leaning towards the C plus. So I'll just say C plus. How about you? I would go with C minus only because well, first of all, it's one of the most is it's that episode was one of the better episodes I've seen of Impact, and it seems like they're finally understanding how to put on a television show. You mean Dynamite? 
Or did you mean uh, I'm, I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry. Impact. I mean I'm sorry. Dynamite. Okay. Dynamite. Dynamite. I keep saying impact. I'm reading something <laughs> about impact, which I'm gonna get to in a second. But I th- I thought it was one of the better episodes of AEW that they have produced. Um, I thought it was really good. I think that the show flowed well. Um, they're finally getting the camera cuts. They got that down. Um, the commentators, they finally have a chemistry. I still think JR is way over the hill and shouldn't be on TV. I think he should be used as kind of like a serious backstage. You know how, how they had Shivani sitting there between Shaq and Brandy. Like, JR would have been perfect for something like that. Yeah. Um, but I give it a C minus because it was just like a lot. It was just too many things that happened that I had a problem with compared to things that I like. And it wasn't an F, it wasn't a D, but it was almost a D. Like if they would have, like Kenny Omega would have came out one more time with a broom for no reason, then I would have said this is a D. But let's talk about the impact, no no pun intended, uh, on the ratings. So the headline states, I don't know if you know this or not, but the headline states that Impact grew 750,000 total viewers for the latest episode that featured Kenny Omega. Yeah. Um, that, as we said last week's show, that this would benefit Impact more than AEW, right? Yep. So let's go to AEW's rating. AEW's ratings, the headline says, almost hits a million viewers. 995,000 viewers, up from last week's 913,000 viewers. NXT, 659,000 viewers, which is almost identical from last week, 658,000. Yeah. So what's interesting here is that I would be more concerned if I'm AEW than in than I'm saying than NXT, and this is why NXT has shown their fan base because they haven't been winning in the rating. So they know that almost a million people every single week are going to watch it. They know that. They're going to stay in the fives and the sixes, right? Mm-hmm. AEW's got an incredibly gifted big bump because of all that's going on right now. So you really don't know for sure how long this is going to last yet because this is. But I am still shocked that they did not break a million. How can you not break a million? They've only done that one time. I don't get it. I mean, they came close. I mean, but close only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades. Yep. 
But if if there was an opportunity to break a million, it was that episode. Yeah. Next week is going to be very interesting because now we kind of get an idea as to f- the flow of both what's going on with Kenny and Sting. Well, I think the ratings are going to go down next week because we we've already we've we've blown our load already. We we don't we the whole mystery of Kenny Omega no one really is at the edge of their seat anymore about it because it didn't come off well. Sting has talked already. Basketball season is actually preseason games start uh, this Friday. So, well, and the NBA is going to be on Wednesday the twenty third, which is going to knock AEW out of its time slot that week. Right. So I just think that. Yeah, I just think that the momentum is no longer there that fast, fortunately. And Vince is not stupid. Vince understands that the wrestling world is not talking about the WWE. So what they tried to do is they said, okay, we're going to bring back um, uh, Karrion Cross on NXT. We're going to bring him back and Scarlett. I don't think they were planning to bring him back the way that they brought him back and so fast, but I think they were like, okay, we got to do something. So you have Karrion Cross and Scarlet back, right? We got Friday Night SmackDown is coming up. Last week's SmackDown was just absolutely brilliant wrestling from the beginning to the end. Very good show. Very good show with a cliffhanger. So now it's going to be very interesting to see What's going to happen in the dynamic between Roman and his cousin and now Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens was laid out. You know, Vince knows that he has to make this interesting. Surprisingly, I'm looking forward to the TLC pay-per-view. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yes. Yes, it is. But at the end of the day, uh, I just really want the WWE to take notice, not of the impact, not of AEW, but of the wrestling business of where it is right now. And where it is right now is that people need a surprise. And it seems like the rumored card, and then I'll, I'll this will be my last uh, mention of the show this week. It seems like the rumor card for WrestleMania has already been laid out. Did you read about that? I have. Yeah. What is your thoughts? Because a name like Brock Lesnar in a triple threat match with Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre, now we kind of understand what a surprise is. Now we're talking, bringing Goldberg back against um, uh, Roman Reigns. Now I'm like, okay. Now that's something I want to see um, because you've built Roman effectively to be a heel with that match is going to mean a little bit more. Now. And the, and the whole thing is, well, is he going to win the title or not? Like, because he's done it before. Like you have these things that make, that make sense somewhat, but you got to add some surprises. Got to make it interesting. 
And that's what I think Vince needs to focus on moving forward is that what can we do that's going to make people tune in every single week? Because I, I've missed a couple of Raws these last, this last month or so because there was nothing on there that made me want to tune in. With the rumored card... I got excited when I saw the whole thing, Brock, Drew, Keith. I got excited for that. Yes. Roman and Goldberg, let me preface it with this. I got excited for the match, but I didn't get excited that it was rumored for WrestleMania. I think Goldberg and, and Roman would work better at the Rumble, and you have Goldberg do business and put them over to set up that one last final slingshot, like the Apollo moon missions, right? To go back to the the land on earth. They got to go around the moon and get slingshot around, right? Goldberg is the moon. He's the slingshot. Get back to your destination. Perfect opportunity to get Roman to that last movement before the rock. Right. Which would have been this. Yeah, it would have been this year, but, you know, there's no fans. And The Rock, he's not going to put his body on the line for no fans, The Rock. Well, maybe they might be doing Rock and Roman at SummerSlam if everything's back to normal by then. Yeah, first, like... First event, first big event with fans. Yeah, make it the biggest SummerSlam ever type, you know. Yeah. Marketing, yeah. I can see that. But Vince needs to do something because, you know, the wrestling world is not talking about the WWE right now. Mm-hmm. So they need to do something. Um, real quick, I mean, this is a, a little off topic with the whole WrestleMania card thing. Um, it 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 it's going to sound like it's focused on AEW, but it's not necessarily. I think it's just more focused on just entertainment in general because it kind of combines some of the stuff we talked about last week with a lot of stuff we talked about this week. Um, and that's as far as like like celebrity involvement, entertainment as a as a general field. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I believe it's the, maybe the first AEW or the second AEW of January, they're going to have Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Snoop is like on fire right now after the Tyson fight. Um, Absolutely. Snoop is a WWE Hall of Famer. It's been very vocal about the whole thing with Snoop and, and, and Sasha Banks, their relationship with each other um, mm-hmm. and, and rumors of them doing stuff together and whatnot. And now AEW's like, well, we got Snoop. Snoop's going to be part of our show. Like, how don't be don't be don't be deceived by that. And this is why the only celebrities that they have on these shows is based off of the relationships that they have with the networks. Yeah, Shaq is on AEW because he's on TNT. Snoop is coming to AEW because he was on TBS doing a show with Cody. Oh, okay. And their their relationship TBS has with TNT. That's the only reason why. They didn't just pluck him out and say, hey, we want you to come. I think Tyson may have been somebody that was plucked out. But I'm sure if we read the tea leaves, we'll see some type of of relationship that he had with one of the network executives. But yeah, I, I don't be deceived by that. They're not pulling celebrities that want to come is based off of their relationship that they have with these networks. And the networks are asking these celebrities to do a favor for them. 
and show up on this program. In essence, they're just trying to create as much synergy amongst the brands as possible. Right. Let's cross promote it. Let's okay. let's figure out how we can, you know, let's have Snoop come on the mic and then he'll promote AEW and he'll promote his show on TBS. You know, AEW superstars have been on, you know, inside the NBA a few times. So um, I'm it's excited. just about cross promotion. I'm excited for the Snoop appearance, though, because we know that Snoop is no stranger and doesn't care. He'll go off script. He'll say what he wants to say. So imagine, right. that, and, and the smart thing to do would be to get Snoop done and over with at the very beginning of the show. Do not let him hang out backstage for two hours so he gets an idea of the differences between how AEW's ran and how WWE's ran because you know he's going to say something on the mic. Right. Get them done early on, man. <laughs> right, because you could you and you don't know he could be a sleeper agent. You know he could get in the he could be commentating for a women's match. You say, man, my 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 little cousin Sasha's better than half y'all talent. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, I mean, shit. He said Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson look like his two uncles fighting at the barbecue. Right. So <laughs> you 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 gotta you gotta be careful having these people on yeah and it's funny because we're speaking about demographics right mm -hmm. and the demo god right one demographic they seem like AEW is trying to reach heavily is African American really because I looked at the crowd last night and first of all there was a lot of people without masks on. let's start there um, that were talent so I guess it's okay, right? In Florida of all um, places too. Right. Um, and look at who they're bringing in and who they brought in in the past. Mike Tyson, African-American. Shaq, African-American. Snoop Dogg, African-American. There's not a lot of black people watching AEW, just being honest. So I feel like they're trying to really grab that demographic and bring it in. Um, but it's hard to do that when you don't really relate to anybody that you see on the television screen. People love The Rock. The African-American community love The Rock. They love Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, because of the, the attitude that he had, no pun intended. I don't really think Brothers is trying to really get behind, you know, Jungle Boy. <laughs> Good old Jungle Boy. <laughs> you know, I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Or or FTR with Tully Blanchard. Like, I don't really see that being a thing. I feel you on that. I feel you on that been a big week in wrestling man from last week to this week there's a lot of stuff going on absolutely a lot of stuff going on um I, and then next week we'll talk about in great detail the tlc pay-per-view that's coming up on the wwe network on sunday december 20th right before christmas and that'll be a really good christmas present there from the wwe which by the way um i sent mac uh this info earlier this week i don't know if the promotion is still going on now or not but uh for the time being, WWE Network, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, available for only 99 cents 
for one month. They're no longer doing the free trials for the, the 30 days. But 99 cents is still, like, that's a hell of a deal for what you get on the network. So check that out, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have the network and wanted to give it a shot. Uh, it's wbnetwork.com slash 99 offer. I think it's, or wb.com slash 99 offer is one of those. Not a paid promotion, by the way. It's just I'm a, a big WWE fan. Grew up watching it. Just like to get the word out there. We didn't really talk that much about WWE this week either. But next week, we'll be talking about the TLC pay-per-view in full. Hopefully, Cat will be on with us. And we'll have a nice little three-way there. And uh, before we head out, Mac, yeah, any shout-outs, any plugs, any final thoughts? Um, no shout-outs, no plugs this week. This is a long show. Hope you made it to the end and you get a bunch of Santa's cookies. Oh, um, uh, uh, oatmeal cream pie. Those and are, hot chocolate. Yeah, those are great cookies. Little Debbie's <laughs> or whatever over at Walmart. The the Star Crunch ones with the Rice Krispies and the caramel and the chocolate. Oh, my God. Those I'm are amazing. <laughs> All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Mac and uh, Kat, who wasn't here with us uh, this week, uh, I'm the webmaster, Wade Needham. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to check out Ring Scoops on social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Pro Wrestling Tees, all of it with the username Ring Scoops. Uh, even uh, we're on TikTok now, too, uh, trying to get some t- uh, content up there on TikTok, um, trying to get some content up on Snapchat as well, too. So check all that stuff out. Ring Scoops is the username. If it's not listed on ringscoops.com, it's not official. And uh, there you go. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, thank you, good night, and be cool.